I'm Tracy McCauley. And I'm Liz Zuleika. We are cardiology pharmacists, educators, and self-declared literature crusaders. With the help of national cardiology pharmacy experts, we at Cardioscripts aim to keep you up to date. In this episode of Cardioscripts, Dr. Tracy McCauley interviews Dr. Steve Dunn to talk about the landmark trial, ISAR REACT 5. We hope you all are as excited as we are to hear Dr. Dunn's thoughts. Enjoy the episode. Dr. Dunn is a clinical pharmacist and the team lead for the cardiology pharmacy team at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia. He provides comprehensive pharmacy services to the cardiac ICU and acute care teams in addition to the heart failure transplant service and the cardiac catheterization lab. And more importantly, he's a fun guy who's a lot of, he always has funny things to say about trials and has a deep understanding of cardiovascular literature, especially with regard to the topic we're discussing today. So welcome to Cardioscripts, Dr. Dunn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So, so I definitely asked you to be on Cardioscripts for this topic because I think it's um, so near and dear to our hearts. The ISAR REACT trial, which was published on September 1st of this year in New England Journal of Medicine, the authors were trying to seek the answer to the question that if a patient was hospitalized with ACS and had a planned invasive evaluation, would they benefit more from Ticagrelor or Prostagrel for the prevention of major adverse cardiovascular endpoints? with a planned secondary evaluation of the differences in bleedings between these two strategies. The ISAR REACT-5 trial was a multi-center randomized open-label trial, and patients were randomized to receive either Ticagrelor or Prostagrel at the approved doses, and this included the recommendation to reduce the Prostagrel dose to 5 milligrams in patients who were greater than 75 years of age or weighing less than 60 kilos. Patients randomized to start Ticagrelor started at the time of randomization, as well as Prostagrel in patients with ST segment elevation myocardial infarctions, but the initiation of Prostagrel was after angiography in those with non-ST segment elevation events. The key exclusion criteria were actually interestingly not published in the, the article. So from the supplementary index, you can see that it's the same kind of things that patients were excluded from in Triton, um, including and importantly, any neuroabnormalities, including a history of TIA stroke or intracranial hemorrhage. The primary endpoint was a composite of death from any cause, non-fatal MI or non-fatal stroke at one year. And the secondary endpoint was BARC type 3, 4, or 5 bleeding. In the results, about 4,000 patients from 23 setters in Italy and Germany were included. So the average age was 65, approximately two-thirds male. 15% of patients had a previous event. The population included 42% STEMIs, 46% non-STEMI patients, and 12% uh, were unstable angina. And 80% of the patients were managed with PCI. The primary composite endpoint occurred in 9.3% of the Ticagrelor patients and 6.9% in Prostagrel group with a number needed to treat of 42, and this was primarily driven by a difference in myocardial infarction. The secondary safety endpoint was not statistically different. So big findings, and I think shocked not only the study investigators, but really the entire cardiovascular community. Yeah. What are your overall thoughts on this trial, Dr. Dunn? To be totally honest, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, and, and I've pondered it a number of ways, you know, even in preparing to come onto this podcast. But I think, you know, it, it's been a question that I've enjoyed teaching about um, over the last couple of years of, 
you know, when we started, it was just a Clipitter Girl world and uh, it was a relatively easy, straightforward thing to do. And then Faster Girl came out into Cagrelor and we didn't really expect to see head-to-head trials with these agents just because, you know, industry was involved. And as I like to teach, industry doesn't like doing head-to-head trials unless they are fairly confident of the outcome or stack the trial to favor one drug over the other in some cases. So I think it's always been fun to talk about this indirectly in terms of like pharmacodynamics and, you know, some of the softer things around the edges, but I don't know that anybody really perceived that there would be a difference between them. You know, so I think there were some situations probably based on trial design when you look at the Triton trial, which was primarily a a PCI-based trial versus the Plato trial, which was kind of an all-comers ACS study that we, you know, you would see maybe some differences based on indication. So it wasn't, it was a little bit of a, you know, surprise to me to see some of the follow-up data with Girl be not very successful with Girl in the non-SC segment elevation in my medically managed population with Trilogy. And then also the COAST trial, which kind of consistently now we've seen in a couple of, of trials is not really showing a lot of benefit to early uh, preloading for these ACS patients. So <clears throat> I think we all just assumed that was sort of Prasagrel and, you know, the, the data with Chicago was so strong. Even when they, they did this trial, they really powered it, assuming that there was going to be a, a risk reduction in favor of Ticagrelor. And we've extrapolated that just based on the outcomes of, of Plato, where you see a reduction in cardiovascular death versus Triton. It was really a, not a death-related endpoint. It was recurrent MI. So we've always just had this assumption that Ticagrelor is better. And to see... I wouldn't have been maybe shocked to see a neutral trial based on, you know, some of the previous data that we've had. But I think it's really stunning to see the result where Prasagrel is superior uh, to Ticagrelor in such a kind of a dramatic way, I would say. Like, uh, and they didn't quite meet, you know, the endpoints that they were looking for in terms of event rates. So it was a slightly underpowered trial based on the event rate that they expected to see. And so... uh, for not only be not just neutral, but in favor of Prasagrel, I think is is pretty stunning. Yeah, and I think you've already started to do this to some extent, but can you um, maybe clarify and put the results in context with where we were with practice on August 30th? You said, you know, Ticagrelor, we really thought of as maybe the front runner in this. Um, well, I think it just offers simplicity um, when you think about applying this to the health system, which is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, you know, Prasagrel, you can try to dissect where there's benefit, which is really just in the setting of STEMI with primary PCI. And then you have to apply exclusion criteria that, oh, you have to screen them for history of stroke or TIA, which is pretty common in this population. You have to think about whether they're the age of 75 to dose reduce. Um, and, oh, if it's a non-SC segment elevation in mind, we're not sure what to do. Don't preload them. Wait till they go to the cath lab. And I think Ticagrelor is just simpler, and we assumed it was better. So Ticagrelor, you don't have, you you can basically say all comer you know ACS spectrum. There's probably some benefits to Cagrel or Clopidogrel. It's simpler, with the exception of you know drug interactions. So I think it offered simplicity, and I think we had clarity um, before these trials. As of August 30th, we lived primarily in the Cagrel and Clopidogrel because of the U.S. healthcare system. Um, you know, forced us into using that on on occasion. That was uh, probably our split based on their ability to pay for it. But it it was easy. And that was all we really had to think about. So now this is a loaded question, but any thoughts related to the influence of industry or not having industry sponsor this trial that could have impacted the design or the results? 
Well, I think, you know, the cool thing is this is an investigator-funded study. Europe has done a really good job of having independent sources of funding for some of these things. So we actually would get a trial like this where we get important answers to questions. There's a couple of things I kind of noticed from this trial in terms of design that I'm not sure you would see in a better funded effort. So there were, you know, there wasn't really an active placebo control. So there wasn't a double dummy, I should say. And so you, the patients knew what they were taking, which has some bias probably against a keg ruler because it's a twice daily administration. I couldn't really identify that they were, were really tracking adherence that well either, which I think in a better funded effort, you would probably see some regimented assessment of adherence in the trial. And then the, the other thing that struck me, and it came up in like the editorial, I'm discussing it as well, that they really reached out to these patients by telephone for the most part to, to identify endpoints and to, to go over the, you know, things that happen, which um, I think is kind of interesting how they could then turn that into events and adjudication of events that happen. But so there was a lot of, there were some ways that I think reading between this, you could see this is kind of a bit of a budget effort. Whether that affected the results, I, I think you can make a pretty good argument that adherence may have affected and influenced the result in favor of Prosegrel. I think we started to talk a little bit about adherence and the discontinuation rate was actually pretty high in this trial. By the end, 15.2% of ticagrelor patients and 12.5% of Prosperol patients had discontinued. Mm-hmm. So maybe reflective of the real world, but it also was noted to be um, the discontinuation occurred earlier in patients taking ticagrelor. So do you think that has any influence or is that small enough difference that it's not incredibly important? Yeah, so I think that's kind of my theory about this trial um, is assuming it isn't a real thing, and I, I guess you could argue perhaps it is, but let's say this this result is entirely due to trial design. I think that is probably the canary in the coal mine because I think there's a couple of issues that come up with that, one of which is this isn't really a randomized trial of Prasergal versus Ticagrelor for the event in up to a year. It's an intended as an early initiation of those with an intent to continue, um, but that didn't happen in a really large percentage of patients. But I think you probably would see more early discontinuation with Ticagrelor, and maybe you could attribute that to dyspnea. It seems kind of concordant with that, where you you know we see you know five-ish percent or so of patients requiring dr- drug discontinuation, and that kind of makes up a little bit of the difference there. And so one of my um, wonderments is if the conversions back to another P2R12 inhibitor were done correctly with Ticagrelor, which would potentially result in vulnerable periods of blunted antiplatelet effect. Whereas maybe in a a clinical trial with, you know, a strict kind of protocol, you would have methods for transitioning patients. I think this was just left up to whoever, you know, was managing the patient. And for um, we had said that ticagrelor was discontinued earlier and more often, but for some reason, Prosegrel patients were more likely to be excluded from the modified intention to treat analysis of safety. Yeah. And so what do you make of the secondary safety outcome and the, the non-statistical difference there? Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I think it's it, evidence that this, this, if it's a real result, it's not due to antiplatelet intensity. You know, we've seen that over and over again, where you can't really improve population level outcomes. So you you have a rising tide, essentially, with these therapies, where if you intensify antiplatelet therapy and raise all the boats, 
in the population, you're going to do the same thing with bleeding. Like there, there's no free lunch. I'm really on a metaphor kick, if you can't tell. <laughs> you but, are, really? Really? Um, How many more so, can we get in? <laughs> I know. So I think that's a very good signal to me that this is a lot more about Ticagrelor in this trial than it is about efficacy in antiplatelet therapy. You know, because we should have seen a correlating increase in bleeding um, with this. And as we talked about, I think Bark is a really strong discriminator and pretty sensitive to changes in bleeding. Even, you know, even if we're just focusing on the lower rungs of that scale, there's really no difference with it. So I think there's something about Ticagrelor in this trial that I think has been difficult to tease out of these results. Do you have any final thoughts that you feel like you need to add? Oh, I always have thoughts. About <laughs> I know. I was like, that's a dangerous question to throw. <laughs> to see um, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting area. I'm not sure, you know, how much more evidence we're going to get in this area. So it's going to be a really difficult, just thinking of the academic side of this, this is going to be hard to teach. And I think even when I looked at the editorial, the um, editorialist for the, the trial um, came up with a kind of proposed algorithm that made my head spin a little bit because it, it dissected all these like different treatment algorithms and suggested maybe situations where prostagirl would be better. Uh, but then you have to also go back and look at you know what spectrum of ACS they're in. So I think it's it's complicated our our lives <laughs> in some way. Or I think we had just gotten around to this idea of simplicity with um, Ticagrelor and um, pretty comfortable with that. And I don't know that that's really changed much at this point. But I'm I'm glad to see you know especially in the era where you know we have a generic comparator that is strong that we have we have some good data and a head-to-head comparison now with Ticagrelor, the Prasagrel, once we account for the situations where there have been either worse safety or, you know, like the age and weight and excluding K or stroke, that it, it does compare pretty favorably. And I think that's kind of a win for, for healthcare because of the costs with it now. So I, I would hope to see everyone use more of it just for, for that reason alone, you know, rather than really being beholden to feeling like we have to use Ticagrelor um, because of this kind of death reduction. And, you know, hopefully this is reassurance that for, for most people, for a lot of people, that that isn't totally, you know, important or, you know, maybe not as uh, relevant when we exclude out, you know, surgical patients and others. So. I'd like to thank you on behalf of Liz and I for agreeing to do CardioScripts. And, you know, it's experts like you that make this possible. So we really appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Well, Tracy, that was a lot of good information from Dr. Dunn, but I have to be honest. Um, I am teaching ACS in a few months, and I'm, st- I'm still trying to figure out how to put this in the algorithm. Yeah, that, that was something I hadn't really thought of until I was talking to, to Steve either. And um, I think, you know, it's just as complicated to think of how we're going to teach this to our students when we really try not to go into the literature in depth. Um, and And maybe it's just you know, more of an option. I think they probably read into my lectures over the last few years that I had a bias towards Ticagrelor. And that was because I truly did not expect <laughs> this. So now I guess I, I need to like take out my tone a little bit there. Yeah, I, I think my students on rotation um, have heard that tone as well. And so we'll see how much my tone changes over the next few months. But I'm also excited for our next episode with Dr. Ted Berry from the University of Wisconsin talking about SGLT2 inhibitors and just how sweet they are.
For more information, you can visit our site at cardioscripts.com. For more questions or conversation, join us on Twitter at Cardioscript. Talk to you next time. Okay, so for the episode, there was like some moments where I, I think I heard Pippa barking in the background. Did you hear that? No. <laughs> okay. There was a dog. Less I also like- I heard like a foghorn randomly. I don't know if you heard that at all when you were listening. I tried to cut it out. Did not hear a foghorn. wasn't sure if someone was at like a, a shipyard or something recording. So Yep. I went to the yacht <laughs> with my dog. <laughs> For cardio scripts. <laughs> For cardio scripts.